1: and
0: As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. You are listening to Wednesdays with Will, and I'm the host, Will Addison. Uh, glad to be here today. We have a great show planned. Uh, we're going to be talking about fathers, fathers, Um, you know, examining fatherlessness, um, the effects of it. I have a uh, guest who's lined up to come on, Brian Shannon, Brian Shannon. Now, I've had his brother Todd on a few times. Um, Me and his brother Todd go back a few years um, doing ministry together. But uh, Brian is uh, Todd's older brother, who's a a pastor as well. And so we're going to talk about his book. He has a book out right now called uh, Missing Pillars, Missing Pillars. And so we're going to talk about that. But before we get to that uh, in our second segment, I want to start off by just making an announcement again. You know, uh, the Marriage Family Life Conference is coming up this year. This is 2023. So uh, July 6th through the 8th, uh, be the Marriage Family Life Conference. If you need more information about the conference, go to marriagefamilylife.com. marriagefamilylife.net. All the information is there. You can register now. Uh, Please register now because this is the early bird uh, uh, rate going. We have a code, uh, earlybird23. If you put that in, you'll get a discount. And so marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net, for the Marriage Family Life Conference. It's going to be a great time. You know, uh, each year God has blessed us, man. Uh, I was looking at some uh, pictures and different things from, 2018, 2019, I think these were 2019. And I was like, man, God has really shown himself to be faithful. You know, I see see some people on there who still come to the conference uh, today, you know, even now. And so they've been to each and every one of them. Uh, It's just It feels like family. Uh, It's a time of encouragement, empowerment. You know, there's a lot that's going on. And I believe God is using this conference uh, to encourage the body of Christ to stay in the fight. You know, uh, this year's theme is for his glory alone. And uh, we have some great speakers lined up. If you want to see who the speakers are, you can go to marriagefamilylife.net and click on the speaker tab uh, and you can read their bios and you maybe feel familiar with some of the names. Uh, But it's going to be a a great time. A, A great feature of the conference is our Youth Apologetics track for ages 4 to 17. Uh, we desire that this conference will be a family event. And so that you don't have to like find somewhere for your children to go bring them along and uh, they will be ministered to as well. Uh, we have a great team that's over at YAT and uh, man, just some great testimonies come out of, you know, uh, of that, the children just saying how God has really taught them different things and how the teachers were so great. And, and so, man, it's just a, it's a good conference. And so Uh, go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. They'll be right here at Tupelo, Mississippi at the Cadence Bank Arena. It's going to be a good time. And so now, um, one thing I want to do, and I, I've talked about this before, but just kind of setting up for our interview, um, that's coming up. Psalm chapter 78, you know, um, I don't know how, like sometimes when you, when you're reading the scriptures, um. There are certain things that God kind of, you know, uh, caused to stand out to you. And I don't remember when it was, but I remember coming across Psalm 78 and some of the things that were uh, said in Psalm 78. God just had me to stop and just kind of think about and meditate on what was said, you know. And um, there's a there's a lot that stood out to me in Psalm 78 and he just had me to go over it uh, again and again. Uh, just to really look into the scripture. But Psalm 78 is very instructive for Christ followers today, especially in the context of family, in the context of fathers and mothers, and how God has set it up that the gospel would be spread uh, through families, through families. And so I want to look again uh, at Psalm chapter 78, verses uh, 1 through 8. Psalm 78 is is uh, titled, it's, it's a mascule of ASAP. Uh, a masculine is a, con, a con, contemplative psalm, a psalm for teaching, a psalm of wisdom. And so it's a song that they would sing, it's a song that they would sing, but it's for teaching and for wisdom. And so it, it mentions that it's a mascule of ASAP. And who was ASAP? ASAP, he was a chief musician a singer, a songwriter, a prophet. Uh, he is the ancestor of the sons of ASAP, one of the great family guilds of temple musicians. You, you see them uh, referenced throughout the scriptures beyond ASAP, his family, his lineage. You know, this is what they did. Uh, if you look uh, in Chronicles and different uh, different scriptures, Second Chronicles, 1st Chronicles, it, it talks about ASAP and the family of, of ASAP and what he did. And I, I, like, for instance, I read First Chronicles chapter sixteen, verse four through five, and then thirty-seven through forty. Uh, he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the Ark of the Lord, even to celebrate and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph, the chief, uh, the chief, and second to him Zechariah, then ja- Jael, and then he lists a whole bunch of other. There's another name in here. Obed Edom there's a great man. do us a, a study and a search on Obed Edom. It's a powerful, powerful story. uh Obed Edom was not an Israelite, but man he would he found himself in position uh right amongst the people of God, you know uh and and even his lineage, even though he was not an Israelite, uh God used him and his family mightily. Because they became Yahweh worshippers. And man, it's just it's amazing, Obed Edom. But Asap played loudly the symbols. Like so he was a he was a psalmist, he was a songwriter, he was a, a musician. Uh, and it says, so he left Asap and his relatives there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister before the Ark continually as every day's work required. So it's amazing. This was his job. <laughs> That he was a a musician and he was was to lead worship uh, before the ark of the Lord continually. Uh, his lineage consisted of singers, again musicians, worshipers in Israel, and his songs were sung even in later generations. Even in later generations, you hear of Asaph's song. They go to Second Chronicles chapter twenty nine verse thirty. It says, "Moreover, King Hezekiah and the officials ordered the Levites to sing praises to the Lord." with the words of David and Asaph, the seer. So they sang praises with joy and bowed down and worship. And so you see, see, even later on, Asaph's songs, uh, they were sung, you know, by later generations. But in uh, Psalm 78, chapter 1, chapter 78, verse 1 through 4, Asaph starts off this psalm urging the people to listen, to give ear to what he's about to say. It says, listen to my people, to my instruction, Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. So he's right off the top saying, listen to what I'm going to say, right? He's like, pay attention to to what I'm going to say uh, in this psalm. So uh, remember, Asaph wasn't only a songwriter and a musician. He was a prophet. He was a seer, highly esteemed um, among the people, and King David as well. So this is a psalm of wisdom. Uh, a Psalm, uh so so great attentiveness should be taken to what is about to be said here. But Asaph also expresses here that he will not be saying anything to the people new, that's new, but things they have heard from their fathers. And that's isn't that a big portion of what we do? You know, a lot of what we do is encouraging the body of Christ. I'm thinking about pastors and and teachers. A lot of it is encouraging the body of Christ in things that they they already know. But we need that encouragement. We need that, you know, that push, like, remember this. So Asaph is saying, I'm not going to be saying things that are, are, are new, but things that you have heard already. So I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. So he's going to not say anything new. He's going to remind them of some things. Man, how powerful is that? Because we all need those reminders. Some of the best sermons I've heard were not just a new revelation and things like that, but it's a reminder of something that the Lord had already said, that he had already confirmed through his word, and that God used this person to remind me of that word. It's just a powerful thing. And this is what ASAP uh, is getting ready to do here. Uh, Many times in Israel's history, the fathers were charged to put into remembrance what the Lord had done on their behalf, that they would always put their trust and hope in God. So he would always do that, like uh, bring the people back to remember what he had done. Remember this, remember that, so that they would put their trust in God. So Asaph is carrying this mantle of passing down God's goodness to the people and is encouraging Uh, them to keep the generational blessings going. This is something as parents, as grandparents, as mothers and fathers, we have to do ongoingly. And specifically, we're going to talk about fathers. Fathers are to instruct and to teach uh, their children or to, to wash their wives with the water of the Word. We have a spiritual responsibility as men, right? We have a spiritual responsibility as men And we cannot uh, shirk those responsibilities. You know, something that Spurgeon said, he said, the more of parental teaching, the better. The more of parental teaching, the better. Ministers and Sabbath school teachers were never meant to be substitutes for mother's tears and father's prayers. And I've read that quote before. It's the mother and the father. God has uh, joined together that the children will be instructed right in the home. I was talking to someone yesterday yesterday. And, and, and she was telling me about some things she's doing with her daughter and, and discipling her. And I was like, man, isn't that awesome how God has set this thing up? God has set this thing up that the gospel will have its first mention in the home. Like, our children should hear the gospel before, even before they're, uh, you know, in church. They should hear it in the home. Our little ones, they should understand and, and know, you know, who Jesus is, who God is, right? God has set this up that the gospel would pass down generationally right in the home. And what the church is, the church comes along the home as a supplement. The church comes along and reinforces what's already going on with the parents and the children. See, this is not the job of the church to disciple our children. While they have a, a, a really important role, you know, that's why, you know, I'm not really big on the, the youth groups and the children's churches and all that kind of stuff. If I'm not saying that those things are wrong. But sometimes we allow those to be the first uh, uh, instructors and not the parents. Sometimes as, as parents, we see that those type of things as drop-offs for our children so we can enjoy the services. No, but in the home, what should be happening already is the discipleship of our children. And the church comes alongside, right, and supplements and say yes, and affirm what's going on already in the home. All right? And so in, in Psalm uh, 78, and I'm running out of time, <laughs> right off the bat, it, there's three things that uh, ASAP does, uh, put the people in remembrance of. The praises of the Lord, that the people's posture come may come, uh, that, that they may be postured to uh, praise and adore God. He wants to make sure that they love God. And that they are praising and adoring him. God's strength. He put them in remembrance of God's strength. God is the God of strength and power. And by his mighty hand, he delivered them from their enemies. And he had to to remember this. And also his wonderful works. God performed miracles on behalf of his his children. And so he put them in remembrance of these things. And not only did he do that, but he said, we're going to pass them down that the children may know. And that those who are not not even born yet, that they would know. Generationally, this was the job of fathers to pass down these things to their children. We have a a strong and powerful role to play as fathers. That's why the enemy fights against men so much. Because if you can cut off the head, you have the body. And so the enemy understands that. But we as the church have not understood it properly. And so we're going to talk about that when we come back. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. Be back right after this. Uh, some days I feel like I don't do enough.
1: I'm working hard, but that don't always equal out the love. If you know, if you know, then you know. If you don't, then you won't understand what it means to be a family man. We had some struggles,
0: but we made it through. Another cup of soup if you know if you know me no, if you don't, then you won't understand what it means to be a family. Hey, hey, I just sat and cried,
1: thank God. Holding my kids for the first time, Mom uh. Looked in my wife's eyes and said, We gon' make it through the worst times. Paycheck to paycheck with no benefits, but we stayed afloat. We didn't have it all, but we had enough and we prayed hard. That's what gave us hope. Most nights she sat alone, count coins up to keep the lights on. Man, I felt like everybody was against us and we moved more than you like to know, but we stood strong. And my wife supported every move I made and every single note. Even when nobody listened, even when people. Every song I wrote, she had this
0: is Aaron Addison's on here on, on American Family phone Radio, phone listening to God Wednesdays with son. Will. And that's Family Man by God Twain. God, God Twain. And so um, today, man, I have a special guest on. Um, but before I get him on, I want to finish just reading that scripture in Psalm chapter 78, because it's powerful just to consider how God has used um, the function of generations to pass down his goodness uh, you know, throughout uh families. And how it originates in families and how God uses the father and the mother as the, the, the heads of the, uh, of the family to be able to um, give down the instruction to the children. You know, the father leading the way, the mother as the helpmeet that's able to help the father to carry out the mission. She is in submission, meaning under a mission. And if the father doesn't have a mission, man, they're in trouble. Right. So submission. Sub, under, mission. And and, and the thing is that God has created this in such a way that the gospel can be spread throughout, even throughout the home. And so in Psalm chapter 78, um, verse 5, it says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children. That's where it starts. You learn that the children learn the goodness of God right in the home, that they the parents would teach the goodness of God to their children that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It's amazing to consider that the fathers and then their children, then the generation to come, their children and then their children. So it's, it continues to pass down. And God has set this thing up where this happens in the family. So wouldn't it be like the enemy to cut off the head, to take the man out, to get him out of the way so that this cannot happen? a matter of fact, the opposite happens, that destructive patterns begin to rise up and then you have a cycle going the other way. <laughs> Man, it's a diabolical plan. The enemy uh, is very strategic and has done a job, you know, I'm just thinking about America, here in America. And we're going to talk about that. My guest uh, today is Brian Shannon. He wrote a book called Missing Pillars. And Brian Shannon is an associate pastor on staff at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. He previously served as a public school educator for 20 years as both a teacher and a school administrator. He earned a BA in education from Coastal Carolina University and a master's in school leadership and administration from Cambridge College. He has worked as a youth advocate, mentor, and, and group home counselor, and he has been serving in church ministry for over 16 years as a worship leader, a youth pastor, evangelist, and teaching elder. He has been married to his wife, Tony over 23 years, and they have two children, I want to... Go ahead and welcome my brother Brian Shannon. Welcome, man.
1: Well, uh, I'm so glad to be here.
0: Yeah, thank man. You so
1: much, uh, brother Will.
0: Yes, yes, definitely. Uh,
1: well, let me, let me let me say thank you so much for bringing me on, and I, I'm such a, a huge fan of your wife and yourself and your, your show and what you're doing in the culture, what you're doing for the body of Christ. Uh, so my hats off to you and praise God for you. But
0: well, thank you, man, and I appreciate you and you writing this book. You know, and we want to talk about that because this is a conversation that we should have a lot more in the church, you know, and uh, our Amen. audience, like we really try to encourage the body of Christ. You know, there are certain things that uh, kind of go untalked about or not talked about enough. And I think this is one of those issues because it not only mm-hmm. affect, you know, uh, just local like families, but it affect communities. Like when there's no fathers, mm-hmm. you know, and these things have been destroyed, uh, man, it, it, it wreaks havoc on a nation. And so uh, if you can give us just kind of a testimony of uh you know, where you come from and and just how the Lord saved you, just to start us off so people can get to know you.
1: Yes, sir. So so I I was born to a single mother Mm -hmm. uh, in Brooklyn, New York City, you know back in the back in the mid 70s okay uh so about you know 76 back in Bed-Stuy Brooklyn I was born wow um Bed-Stuy people die <laughs> yeah Too biggie um, there, there you go there you go man. <laughs> I, I call it bike spike Lee Brooklyn you know okay. where, where I was going to school at as a junior hire. Yeah. I used to walk past that 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 Mike Tyson mural that was wow. the do right thing movie yeah I used to walk past that that was, that was you know there was a Mike it was a Mike, Malcolm X mural a, a Mike Tyson mural there was a mural over there with like different you know Hispanic and black you know uh, Nations of color and things like that that yeah. you've probably seen in tons of movies, right? And so yeah, so that that's, that's my Brooklyn. <laughs> okay, but anyway, um, you know my mother was you know a, a church goer. My, my mom actually, um, you know, was 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 you know, a singer. She recorded in the, in the disco era. Mm. Um, you know she she was very gifted in the, in the music and the arts. Um, uh, she was recording and traveling. She she did backup for people like Natalie Cole, opening for people like the Jackson Five. Wow. You know, so that was back in the seventies, eighties. Um, and then by the eighties, my mother actually, uh, landed a gig on the, uh, the off-Broadway hit, Mama, I Want to Sing. And oh, wow. Remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah.
0: That was huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, <laughs> so she, she, she was a part of that production. Um, so that was all a part of my memories of my childhood. So we were in New York, but my roots and my family were from from the South. And so, you know, okay. in the South, folks were, were really conservative. was yeah. uh, going to church. There was, you know, there was that Southern, you know, you all from Mississippi, right? <laughs> so,
0: yeah, from New know, Orleans. That, that, yeah.
1: Oh, you are from New Orleans? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah, but you know the, the black southern culture. You know, yeah. we're going to church. You know, there was, yeah. there was a conservatism. You know, in our roots and things that na- that nature. So we moved back to the south. There were some struggles that my mom was going through at different times. So we were moving back and forth. We moved to the south uh, for a little bit, then went back up to the to, to New York City in the late eighties at the height of the crack era. Mm. So that was crazy. I write about some of that in my book. Mm. Uh, then we moved back to the south. So there's that transient issue there going on. How? Meanwhile she's a single mother, right? We're growing up without a dad. And so the trials and tribulations that I kind of spell out in a lot of the facts, the history the data about father absence and how it impacts children, um, those things were absolutely evident in my life. And that's what I sort of brought out in the chapter that I just talked about my own story. However, moving forward, my mom, the Lord, you know, brings her to a point where all of the the movement and the transient, the traveling, you know, going back and forth in the music industry and, 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 you know, being here or there, all of that came to a halt. My mom got rheumatoid arthritis. She was debilitated and, and, and no longer able to work. And so the Lord used that as a means to arrest her heart. My mother receives the gospel. She gets saved you know, just radically saved. Mm. Um, And then my my brother, my sister, and I see that, right? And it made an impact on us, not right away, but we're like, whoa, what's this new thing? We we definitely (laughs) see there was something changed, right? Mm. You know, when God gets a hold and arrests the heart of a a sinner, you know, it changes, right? Their heart of stone becomes their heart of flesh, and they love the things that they once hated. They love the the, the God they once hated and and hate the sin they once loved. And Mm. so that was my mom's testimony. So as a senior in high school, my mom gives me the gospel. Meanwhile, she's got us in a we're in a Kojic church in a Church of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. Where we're hearing preaching, you know, yeah. you know holiness, and, 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 and you know, you know how it is. Oh, yeah. And so I'm listening to that. But I, you know, I wasn't a, a church kid, but I was a mm-hmm. drug baby. You know, mom drug us to church. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't a t- church. wasn't in me though. You know what I'm saying? You know, I was, you know, we was we were living in the hood. You know, I, I didn't want to go church. You know, we want to party, play, right. and have fun. And you know, my brother and I were playing sports and in high school and so forth. And we're like, okay, whatever. What's this stuff? And so then the my, the Gospel emanating from my mother's heart touches me. She gives mm. me the gospel one night and says, "Son, Amen. you're a pretty good kid. You're not out selling drugs. You're not making babies, as far as I know, and mm-hmm. you're not doing all the things that I see going on. However, you're not good enough to stand before a holy God." Mm. And so, my mom, Come my on, mom mommy. gives me that gospel, and, <laughs> <laughs> and she was a praying woman. You know, she was yeah. an inter- in, inter- inter- intercessor. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, there are many nights I heard my mother on her knees just crying out to the Lord. And so, um, one day. It, it arrests my heart. I'm just sitting with some buddies, just listening to some music, and I begin to my, my, my I break out in tears mm-hmm. because the Holy Spirit arrests my heart and says that I need a relationship with God and I I was changed. And so that change that was initiated by God, it wasn't me seeking God, because no one seeks God. We mm-hmm. don't seek after God. You know, we're sinners who we love our sin. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord arrests my heart and then I bowed the knee and said, God, I need you. I, I don't know mm-hmm. how I don't know what this means. I wasn't in a church service. I didn't respond to an altar call. But I I gave my life to the Lord Jesus because I knew that much, and Mm. I told my mom about it. So later, you know, fast forward, my my family gets saved. My brother gets saved in his testimony, which I kind of unpack a little bit in my book. Mm -hmm. My sister, she gets saved, and then my mom passes away, right? Mm. So my faith, this new faith that I have, I'm going to college. I'm in college. My brother started college. I had already started a year of college. My mom passes away, and life begins, Mm. right? I'm I'm on this journey of life getting to know the Lord. Um, and so that's my, my my story in a nutshell. I got wow. married, I've you know, been married for going twenty four years. Twenty four years, um, you know, two children. You know, went to college, you know, finished gra- undergrad, went to graduate school, began a teaching career in education. But the, but ministry was really what the Lord was calling me to. So Amen. ultimately, I'm here in full time ministry as a pastor, um, in in the Maryland, DC area, Virginia.
0: Wow, that's awesome, man. So you know, you have uh, just thinking about your story, what you just said. You've been personally touched by the father is- issue, the fatherless. Uh, issue And so, yes, you know, is that the reason or the motivation uh, that one of the motivations for you writing this book? Because I consider uh, this issue a root issue that other things mm. come, you know, as a result of this, of, of fatherlessness. You know, what was the motivation uh, for you writing this book? What, what 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 was God doing in your heart?
1: Man, I mean, praise God. Thank, that's an excellent question. So, uh, one, it was pain, mm. right? Growing up without a dad was painful. You know what I'm saying? And that yeah. pain manifests itself in different ways. For young women, it manifests itself in relationship pain. and young men, it manifests itself in pain that translates to anger and things like that and, and questions, and I'm questioning God. Mm-hmm. But so God arrests my heart, and that pain is still there on some level because I'm figuring life out. And I'm like, where's my father, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, church, my, the thesis of my book is actually that the church— was the the next phase of my life, the church that we were raised in, mm-hmm. um, you know taught us you know I saw men, men of God, my pastors mm-hmm. begin to to demonstrate manners, they begin to teach us the word of God, and so as I started to sense the pain of fatherlessness and how it was being now met with the teaching that I was receiving in the church, I'm like, this is radically different. When I see these men who are faithful to their wives and men raising their children, I didn't see that growing up. I didn't see nuclear families wow. yeah. growing up. and yeah. It impacted me so that I was like, wow, the next you know, phase of my, my journey after meeting the Lord was I want what the Lord wants. Mm. Right, And I want family in my life. And mm. now my job and my task and my, my role as a man in life is to, one, learn what a man is. Yeah. Right, We're made in the image of God, men who are called to be responsible for the Lord and follow the Creator Amen. and to learn the ways of the Creator. Right and to forsake our sin and love God and follow God and then teach our family you know as, as the as the Shema the great mm. Israel Shema the yeah. Shema to Israel Deuteronomy six that's right as the Lord said you know hear Israel love you the Lord your God and the Lord God is one and he said you will love the Lord with all your heart mind soul and then he said he said take God's law and bind it upon the front of your face and your head mm. and your front of mm. your eyes and then he said diligently teach it to your children that's the role of yeah. the man. Yeah. Right. And so I said, oh, God, that's my that's what I'm called to do. I (laughs) discovered my purpose. Listen, I was telling you, I I went to a men's conference. This was right after I got saved. I I went to a men's conference and I heard a message uh, uh, from a pastor. And in this message, he was talking about how men have this problem in our life and our day. And even back then, you know, because fatherhood, the father absence issue, which I hope we'll get into some of the data and history that I kind of spell out in the book. Mm-hmm. But the father absence issue has has been a thing in the black community and in our nation, yeah. you know, going like 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 burgeoning from the like late 50s to 60s. Mm-hmm. It started, we started seeing some things, and then it was codified with the Moynihan Report. We'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that, if, you know, just kind of mention it. And then moving beyond that, we started we saw the pathology of it grow. And expand from the '60s to the '80s, it jumped from like you know, you know, uh, 25% of, of kids growing up in the '60s uh, uh, in the black community had no dad to 80 to 1985, it was 75%. Yeah, and that was just a 20 years and two man. decades, man. And man. so, what was it? And so, anyway, uh, as we see that, I'm saying to myself. Um, You know, this is a problem. I grew up in it. I experienced it. And so the the data is this. President Barack Obama said this, which was simply an echo of all the data and the research that's out there. Mm -hmm. And I I codified it in the book. But uh, six kids growing up without that, five times more likely to be poor. Mm -hmm. That was true of me. Mm -hmm. Nine times more likely to have problems in school or not graduate. I did graduate by the grace of God, but it was true of me Mm -hmm. that I had problems in school because I had lack of structure, lack of discipline, lack of reinforcement at home, lack of follow-up. Lack of accountability, all right? 20 times more likely to be in prison. Wow. I saw that growing up yeah. in the crack era yeah. in, in, in New York City in the 80s. And then that same crack uh, epidemic was spilled. It's the issue in, in black communities, even in the South, when we went there. I saw people, I saw the people mm. that I grew up with, guys that I grew up with, prison, murder, death, drugs became the cycle in the pathology. Wow. And I said, okay, here's the deal. Why did God spare me? How did I make it out? And I said, <laughs> God, it was your church. Wow. It was the gospel, Amen. It Amen. was the word of God and, and, and the grace of God. So uh, I wanted to write this book to tell my own story, to go back and talk about well, where is the real? Because we hear a lot of narratives, mm-hmm. right, about what, what what has caused father absence in the black community. What was it? Is it racism? You know, is it is it you mm-hmm. know this or that? Yeah. Um. And no, it, 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 and I would contend my contention is not racism. Mm-hmm. It's not historically you know systemic racism. It's not slavery or Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something else, right? Okay. And so because. And we'll get into that. So I don't
0: want to get ahead of myself. No, that's that, that's good, uh, I, man, because I do want to get into some of those uh, stats and stuff like that. You know, I'm just looking at this. Uh, 75% of all inmates grew up without a father. And I'm thinking about what's going on on the streets now. You know, I know in my hometown, New Orleans, I, I hear and I watch the news and I see what's going on. It's, it's the, the getting younger and younger, the ones carrying out th- these, these crimes, yeah. you know. And so I want to talk to you, what are some of the effects – uh, fatherlessness, and you kind of mentioned some of those things, but because you have mm-hmm. a, a chapter talking about why, basically, why fathers matter, like what they bring to the table. Yeah, you know. So, yes. what do fathers bring to the table, and when it, when it's not there, what happens to the community and to the family?
1: Excellent question. Excellent question. So, what? So, what? Here's what fathers bring to the table, right? Fathers bring that 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 accountability, teaching, right, and and reinforcement of character. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so in a nutshell, that's kind of what I get into in that, in that in that chapter. So accountability, teaching, and reinforcement of character. Yes, fathers are. Their job is to teach. What do the scriptures say? You know, parents, uh, mothers, fathers, teach your children, raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Raise them in the way as the proverb said, that the way that they should go, mm. so that when they're old they do not depart from it. Deuteronomy 6, teach your children diligently the yes. law of God. Yes. Right? And so Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Well, that that text uh, seems to insinuate that there's supposed to be some teaching going on, right? That's right. You know, and so obey the law of your father, the text says you know, in the Old Testament Scripture. Obey the law of your mother, right? You now, don't bring shame upon them. So when we don't see...
0: Hey, Brian, 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 we're going to have to pause right here because we're coming up on a break. So we're gonna pick up yep. right right here. This is Aaron Addison's here in American Family Radio. Stick with us, we'll be right back.
1: I, I appreciate your grind. You give do. me everything I need, but I really want your time.
0: I, your time. I must confess it's on the express how I'm feeling. But yeah. I'm going blocks of bitterness quickly becoming building. Listen, you're never home to the point that I don't notice when you're gone. Nah. I'm getting
1: older. I do is just to get
0: you to you. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. Wednesdays with Will, and I want to get right back into it with my brother Brian Shannon. We're talking about his book, "Missing Pillars." And Brian, go ahead with where you were going, man, before the break uh, hit us.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things I was talking about was how, uh, again, the father. What, what do fathers bring to the table, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we talk about uh, accountability, structure, teaching. Um, one of the things that the, the data suggests and some are, in my research, a uh, study showed that children with fathers in the home perform better in school, uh, particularly with there's regimen, expectation, structure, and accountability. Now, a, a mother can do that, right? Yeah. However, when you have the reinforcement of a father, yeah. and, and, and one study even showed, the study revealed that children in schools uh, who were without dads struggled more to listen to teachers, children who were without dads are, are five to nine times more likely to be identified on the ADHD uh, mm. spectrum, mm. right, and to be medicalized, wow. right, in the school system yeah. and have IEPs, and so, uh, you know, even, you know, 10 times more likely than the average kid, and so uh, it, all, all those things sort of resonate right back to the, the data that, you know, suggests that fathers secure, you know, that stability, that stability. Right of of the emotional development of a child, yeah. the emotional development of of young men. Right, it helped Like, listen, one one of the things I, I spent time as a, as a school administrator for 15 years. You know, six six seven years beyond that, I was teaching. Uh, so 20 something years in the school system, and even more time than that in the group home, and and I was a youth advocate mentor. Right, but. Uh, You know, when we see kids who who don't know how to regulate emotion, they're angry. Mm. And one of the things that pain translates to in black men is anger. Mm. I'm hurt. I'm pain. I'm in pain because of my father acid, you know, environment. And there's these women around me telling me what to do. And I don't Mm. like it because I'm a little I'm a little embryonic man that doesn't like female, overly female environments in leadership. Mm. Right. It's not in me. I don't like that, and so I I, I buck against it. I was so I love those women, I, you know. They, they can speak to me. I love my mom and grandmama, but I hate their leadership because that doesn't reflect the 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 leadership that I as a man need to glean from to understand who I am. And wow. so boys are often fighting, and then they get into gangs. Remember with the uh, his, with rapper Tupac, he was quoted saying, "Man, I know for a fact that had I had a dad, I'd have some discipline and more confidence." Wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. the fan that wow you
1: know well,
0: it, me, it's crazy but we we know it let me let me let me ask you this because right where you're going you kind of touched on this before um so this is the most i would consider the most fatherless generation in history all right uh, yes, uh in so like fifty one percent of all children in America right now are born out of wedlock. seventy five percent of all inmates grew up without a father sixty three percent of all youth suicides come from fatherless homes. We also know in the yes, black sir. in the black context, black America, well over seventy percent are going to be born into a mm-hmm. single parent home, and it's mainly fatherless homes. Man, so how did we get here? Like, how did this man. happen? Was it the welfare state? What is? Was it some people say it's racism? Like, how do you get to these numbers? So, so man, that is the the. the
1: the the crux of the of the conversation right how do we get here um because you know there's there's so many narratives out there false narratives and if we don't really here's my thing will if we don't get at the root of the issue
0: Mm -hmm.
1: we won't be honest about the solution either yeah yeah we we won't be honest about. So, so so here's my thing the thesis of my book is this that father absence phenomenon and pathology really only emerged really emerged within the last 65 years uh historical data suggests that black homes coming right out of slavery through Jim Crow and pre-civil rights. So, you know, The Black Home is my my thesis of my book, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like you mentioned, 70 70, to 75 percent of black kids grow up with dads, 60 percent of Native Americans, 50 percent of Hispanics, and 30 percent of whites, Mm -hmm. which is about 50 percent of our nation, um, as you mentioned. Some some studies say third of the nation, but I think that has grown to 50 percent. But the data suggests that, you know, even, um, you know, through— uh, 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 Jim Crow and pre-civil rights, before civil rights, the data suggests that America's most oppressive, most racist period, racist period of time towards blacks, the level at which the nuclear family thrived, rivaled and in some cases surpassed that of the rest of America. <laughs> we, we are uh, hus- like, black people were a historically conservative group of people. Mm-hmm. Subsequently, my contention, as you mentioned, is that it does not follow that systemic racism, slavery, and Jim Crow are the cause of the crisis, father absence that we, black community, uh, because when, you know, when we saw those things happening, we were doing much better. Mm. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that wow. interesting? Yeah. Robert Woodson, I don't know if you're familiar with Robert Woodson's work. He's the founder of the Woodson Center, okay. lived through civil rights. He said, when America was, quote, when America was at its worst, blacks were at their best. Wow. They barred us from <laughs> white schools, so we built schools mm-hmm. that literally closed the literacy gap we built schools that closed the literacy gap between children of freed slaves and whites. We mm-hmm. educated our people and began building colleges, excelled in the sciences. We be- became among the most highly skilled laborers in the country. From the 1920s to the 1950s, economist Thomas Sowell writes that blacks experienced the sharpest decline in poverty on record, going from 87 percent to 47 percent poverty in our country. Wow. By the 50s, there were predominantly black schools in D.C. and around the country that were outperforming predominantly white schools. How is that, Will? So then what happened? So then the the late economics professor Walter Williams said Mm -hmm. the welfare state did to the black community what Jim Crow, slavery, and the harshest racism couldn't do, and that was to destroy the black nuclear family by mm. incentivizing, incentivizing fathers out of the home. Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who was the Secretary of Labor mm-hmm. under Lyndon B. Johnson's administration, wrote the famous Moynihan Report yeah. by 1965. And he saw that father absence in the black community had reached about 25%, yeah. whereas it was less than 10% just 30 years earlier, yeah. right? Yeah. About the 1930s, it was unheard of for a black kid to have no dad. Right. right, that's crazy. Right, Robert Woodson codified in his in his in his works that right out of slavery they did uh, uh, censuses of of, of of slave plantations right out of slavery the emancipation of slavery and eighty five percent eighty to eighty five percent of the of the of the families on slave uh, plantations and coming out of slave plantations had a nuclear family and it wow. was a the dad there so wow. that's right out of slavery so it doesn't follow that we're gonna point to that because if, why did it take over a hundred years for right. that to take effect?
0: Wow, you know what I'm saying. Wow, and, and so by
1: 1980,
0: go ahead, go ahead. Now you mentioned Moynihan. It seemed like he was highly criticized for doing what he did. He was shining the light on what was coming down the line, but it seemed like people were like uh, didn't want to uh, accept what he was saying, you know. And it, it's exactly. a ama- it's it's amazing. So you gotta you gotta wonder why not? Like, so someone is sounding the alarm and saying this is what's going on, you know. And they seem like they would point to him as being, oh, that's that's racism, you know. And it's like
1: racism. They they said he was blaming the victim. That's crazy. Actually, what a lot of the leftist narrative is today, that if you're anybody who sheds any light on any of the problems or issues or ways that the black community needs to improve the social ills going on, you're blaming the victim and you're racist or or, a sympathizer.
0: Wow. Wow. Man, so we can point back to the welfare state. We can point back to, you know, the homes being destroyed because of, you know, incentivizing men not being in the home. Wow!
1: Absolutely. And so, and I'll tell you what. And go I'm a ahead. Fan, I'm a fan, and I'm sorry not to cut you off. I'm a fan of, 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 of and, 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 a, and a firm believer that we, you know, it, it is hard to point to just one thing, mm-hmm. right? That is the yeah. sole reason for a particular problem. Right. However, it, it is one of the major things. One right? of the major we things. We look at it economically, yeah. and socially. One of the major things, and because we can look at the timeline of, of its impact, and mm-hmm. we can look at the, the direct impact. However, the sexual revolution—that's
0: another one. That's a huge the 70s. one. Yeah, and yep. I wanted to ask because you about guess that.
1: Guess what? It, it it was look look at how Satan, who who was the mastermind, the prince mm-hmm. of the power of the air, right? The God of this world who was behind that, everybody playing check as he playing chess. Right. Look at what he does. He says, Okay, let's incentivize men not to be there, right? Give give the woman a check. And then he says, let the women be infused with feminism and Uh, sexual revolutionized thinking. Get away from that Bible and let's now tell them that they have to be as sexually expressive as men in the culture and that they need to have pride in being sexualized and that they need to get rid of the shame and get rid of the social ostracization that is associated with biblical Christianity, right? Mm. And now you have that that's fueling men leaving, and now you have more women making more babies. And what happened? 20 years. You went from 25% to 85%.
0: Wow. Now, so take it another step, let's talk about, uh, the, the confusion that's going on right now, like the, oh, you know, sexually confused. Talk about it. Let's, let's talk about that. So how has fatherlessness played in, uh, to that? Because now we have the rise of, you know, gender confusion and, you know, identity crisis, you know, for sexually speaking, how has fatherlessness played into, into that? Oh my goodness. Well, here's the thing.
1: So, when, when now you got a sexualized culture, right? A sexualized <laughs> right. culture where there's no sexual shame. We cast off restraint, and then you infuse ideology that says let's undermine the nuclear family at all costs. Mm. Let's make a man something other, other than what it is. Right. Let right. let 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 let's make you let let's, let's confuse identity right. so that you have no clue what a man is. You won't even get to what a father is. You mm. will undermine the Bible. You will say that it is white supremacy. Right. Right. Because <laughs> let, let's infuse that idea so that the enemy, so that Satan keeps you away from. And mm. so that now the family continues to suffer and disintegrate, and it will never find a solution outside of the gospel.
0: Wow! And you can see the strategic plan of the enemy; like it's it's, it's all laid out. Like you can see, you know, if you can get uh, the man out of the way, and if you can get yes, the men confused and and just a, children confused, you know what they are, who they are. Man, you you have them, you know, and we, that's what we're seeing right now being manifested. Like this stuff has been years coming. You know, this hasn't happened overnight, but we're we're seeing now the manifestations of of a lot of this stuff that that's been going on. And so, the question I I feel like the question now has to be pointed at the church. So, what do we yes, do? Sir. How do we get, you know, a hold of this thing? So, so listen, I'm
1: gonna I'm give you that, and let me take one minute to just give you this other added. Uh, 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 element that works against the the family. It's the woke ideology. Uh, yes,
0: You guys know
1: that. And so here's what woke ideology does to the black community. It it presents a victimhood mentality, Will, which Mm. stifles self-efficacy and honest self-evaluation. Don't start reflecting on your own community. Don't let people tell you to look inwardly because you're a victim. And if I can convince you that you're a victim, that you will always look Mm. outside of yourself for the source of your problem. Ultimately, look outside of yourself for the source of your solution, Mm. and it will never be in the word of God. It will be government.
0: Wow! Because
1: they tell you, that's why you need to keep voting for us, the party who's champion social justice. Mm. And so that's why 95% of the church votes Democrat. Mm. right because that seed has been planted by the yeah. marxist communist roots of liberal uh, black liberation theology yeah. and and and, and, the, and the civil rights movement which actually was co-opted by the communist party which people mm. don't understand and marxism and mm-hmm. all of those ideas the propaganda is designed to keep black people stuck in uh, uh relegated to that particular way of thinking wow so how do we get to what, what is the church job because it was a church
0: God, it was the church for you you mentioned in the beginning yes, sir. that you saw listen, listen my Go ahead.
1: Yep. Yeah. No. 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm getting excited because this is my topic. Man. <laughs> you know, you're getting, man, right, the no. Jazz go ahead. It, man. Get <laughs> no. 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 So and so and so. I had my pastors who were black men. Right. I grew mm-hmm. up in a black church, mm-hmm. and not one of them told me I was a victim. No mm. pastor ever told me that I was oppressed. They did not tell me to blame white people. You know what they told me, Will? They told me, focus on the nuclear family, be a man who marries and raises his children. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't, he, he shouldn't eat. If mm. a man is not taking care of his own home, he's worse than an infidel. He said, let him who still no more, let him work with his own hands that he may have to give something to him who needs. Yeah. And I learned those principles in the church. I learned that if you, need, you need to be a good financial steward, man. Mm. You, you can get a house anywhere you want. I, listen, I was a three-time homeowner. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A credit score that's, that's, that's excellent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Simply because of the principles of the Word of God people teaching me. I made my mistakes. Don't yeah. get wrong. Don't get yeah. twisted. I made my, my mistakes. But listen, I had a, a roadmap that was given to me by the Word of God yeah. and men who were responsible. And they showed me. I had a pastor who was a financial steward, and he, and he taught it. And he dri- He drove it home. And I said, man, I learned from that. And I'm going to tell you what. What I learned was an invaluable lesson. Right? The church taught me straight from the word of God. And so it has to be that we increase, we have to increase conversation. We have to preach sound doctrine and disciple. It starts with discipleship. Discipleship that that, that is an extension from the gospel preaching, the discipleship that teaches people the life giving principles of the word of God, Mm -hmm. teaches sanctification and holiness. But with sanctification and holiness, come common sense, Will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Come common sense. Common sense ain't
1: got nothing to do with your color.
0: (laughs) No, that's good, man. And so, you know, Christians listening, right now you know hearing this conversation and saying like man i yeah i see all those problems we i mean it's it's on blast we see it in our even in yep. our neighborhoods on the news we we see what's going on so if i'm a, if i'm a pastor or i'm leading the church what do i start like how do i start having these conversations do i do programs talking about this do i just preach yes. you know on this topic like what would you say
1: all of the above will okay, and so it, it's, it's <laughs> number one, strong preaching and teaching from the pulpit, and yeah. then discipleship, strong bible studies, strong, mm. strong community, you know have, put, put put fatherhood symposiums and fatherhood you know uh, uh, conferences on you know, get a bunch of young kids together, you know mentor men were, yeah. there, there were men who were i mean I had a, a couple in the church, I mean this man him and his wife just walked alongside me, man he wow. came alongside me from my, my my high school prom, you know he he, he he gave me his car, it was a brand new Toyota Camry. And if you know anything about the Camry in the 90s, man, it was popping. It was on and popping. He he gave me his Camry to take to, take my date to the prom on prom night. Man, He, I mean, this man was my, one of my best men at my wedding alongside my brother. He was the best man at my wedding. When I had my first child. He, he, you know, and, and my child went to kindergarten. Man, he was buying my kids art online. And these were people wow. that walked with me through life. Yeah. You know, who didn't just give up. They just like, look, I'm a walk. And then I learned from them. I saw them. I saw family. And so we got to get kids who are we having con- candid conversations, mm-hmm. teaching them the principles, showing them by living and demonstrating our life by example, right? And then you know, implanting, in, in, in planting seeds in life. You know I mean, you may out of, out of five or six kids, you may reach one, one or two, right? Mm-hmm. But they're gonna see that they that they have a blueprint to follow because we learn by what we catch more than. And oftentimes, what we teach, what we
0: talk. Well, let's do this, man. The the book is called Missing Pillars. We run it at the end of the show. How can people contact you or get the book uh, real quick?
1: So, get the book. Go to bookbaby.com. That's book, B O O K, baby, B A B Y.com. Uh, and you can type in Mission pillars." If you did a search for "missing pillars," Brian K. Shannon on on uh, you know Google any search engine, it's going to come up. But it's at book, baby, the bookshop, right? And that's where it's at. And you can get it there. Um, you can contact me at missingpillars at gmail dot com. Missingpillars at gmail dot com. Um, but yeah, missing pillars, Black Father Absence. You just type that search in. It'll take you to my bookstore. You get it.
0: All right, that's it for today. God bless.